indie rocker by the name of Nikki Rubin, who spent many a year in Kiev on the indie rock scene there, did the nightclubs, and uh, made quite a name for himself there, and gathered quite a following. One of the reasons was that song, Ukrainian Kiss, and that is a recent remake. He just uh, sent it over. It's uh, just released recently. The lyrics are completely different from the original that uh, he performed in the nightclubs back in the 90s and early 2000s. And this one, of course, uh, if you listen to the lyrics, um, you can make out its quite contemporary theme. Again, that was Nikki Rubin and Ukrainian Kiss. Вітаю вас всіх, шановні радіосухачі на радіопередачу «Наш голос» радіо Кринського Коріння. При микрофоні Павліна, дякую, що рішила перебути зі мною наступну годину. Hello there and welcome to Nash Holos Ukrainian Roots Radio. I'm your host, Pavlina. Thank you so much for joining me. We've got a great program lined up for you. We've got news from Ukraine courtesy Ukraine Today and quite a bit of it. There's some breaking news as well. So stay tuned for that as well. We've got Ukrainian Jewish Heritage. And a review of a book that uh, has just been released. It is a book on the Babinyar tragedy and a really contemporary take on it. And incidentally, right now going on uh, in Kiev are commemorations of the 75th anniversary of that incredible tragedy that occurred during World War II in Kiev. 
So all of that coming up as well. We've got our usual proverb of the week, other items of interest, and great Ukrainian music. And coming up next is a song that goes back uh, quite a ways to about 1982 or 3. And this is a group from Edmonton. It had many incarnations, and as far as I know, I think it's still got a recent one. This one is from... Uh, as I mentioned, 1980, early 1980s, and it is from uh, an album called Soundscapes. And one of the members of this group just happened to be my co-host back in the early days of Nasholas, 1990 to by the name of Bohdan Zaitsev. Here he is now with uh, some of his, well, all of his fellow bandmates with a song that we used to refer to as Hutsul Reggae. It's called Oi Upoli Ruta Ruta. There is a red rue in the field.
Thanks to the foresight and generosity of its donors, the Taras Shevchenko Foundation has been investing in the future of the Ukrainian-Canadian community for over 50 years. Since 1963, the Taras Shevchenko Foundation has been funding initiatives that strengthen our Ukrainian-Canadian identity and enhance our Ukrainian-Canadian cultural heritage. These include fine and performing arts and arts groups, museums, cultural centers, education, as well as authors, journalists, and the Ukrainian-Canadian media, including this program. The Foundation strives to become the premier not-for-profit foundation in a Canada which acknowledges the Ukrainian-Canadian community as a fundamental component of Canadian society. Nash Hollis listeners are encouraged to support this vision through continued donations into the future. To apply for grants, make a donation, or for more information, visit ShochenkoFoundation.com. Now, the latest news stories from Ukraine, courtesy Ukraine's first international English news channel, Ukraine Today. The Donbass conflict zone has seen over 30 Russian proxy attacks overnight, according to Ukraine's ATO headquarters. Militant forces continue shelling Avdivka industrial zone with mortars. The same weapon type was used in Luhansk region in the area of Popasna and Novo-Alexandrivka. The suburbs of Hordivka also came under fire. Russian-backed separatists used grenade launchers, machine guns and infantry fighting vehicles to offend Marinka, Talakivka and Shirokina, which are located in the Mariupol direction. Fortunately, no information on killed or injured Ukrainian soldiers has been reported. One serviceman was injured during a night combat in Avdivka. Russian-backed forces shelled Ukrainian positions with heavy mortars, forbidden by Minsk agreements. Several towns were shelled overnight all around Mariupol, mostly with grenades and armoured personnel carriers. Overall, there were 35 shellings during the last 24 hours, most of them near Mariupol. Russian proxies used small arms, grenades and machine guns. Several snipers were also involved. Despite constant shelling, Ukrainian army continues to stick to the Minsk agreement. No negotiations today. Delegates of the so-called Donetsk and Luhansk People's Republics refused to participate in today's trilateral contact group meeting. The parties were supposed to discuss troops withdrawal failure via video conference. Militant forces earlier decided that Ukrainian army has to pull back its weaponry two kilometers away from Stanita Luhanska, Zolote and Petrivska in Donbass. However, due to separatist shelling along the whole front line, the withdrawal didn't take place. Now Ukrainian representatives insist that if the video conference doesn't happen, the main topic for October the 5th meeting should be a ceasefire violation in eastern Ukraine that obstructs to implement recent Minsk agreements. Custody for two months. This is the court verdict of Alexander Pugachev, the suspected killer of two police officers in Dnipr. Pugachev took part in the court hearing by Skype from a hospital bed as he needed medical help a couple of hours after the shooting incident. One of the police officers managed to shoot the attacker before he was killed. So Pugachev, having a bullet in his stomach, went to hospital. The suspect assailant is in good health and will be taken to prison soon. He recovers very quickly. We plan to let him walk already. I think he will be transferred by the end of the week. After two police officers brutally killing, National Police started a discussion on possible changes in regulations. Police head Katia Dakanoidzi says police rights must be expanded. Moreover, both police and citizens should have strict rules of engagement. Even word fights should be punished. Verbal harassment of police officers must be punished. It should be obligatory because it influences the situation. It is a very important moment. Dekanoidze also wants to implement the presumption of rights of police officers and other rules, like prohibiting drivers from exiting the car when stopped by police. For now, these rules are not executed yet. Nevertheless, there is one important change. Starting this week, bulletproof vests are obligatory to wear not just at night, but during all the shift hours. International team of prosecutors named the weapon used to bring down MH17 and the precise location from which this weapon was launched. 
Joint investigation team investigating the downing of MH17 flight over Donbass in 2014 say the missile that hit the plane was fired from a territory controlled by Russian-backed militants. They said the missile launcher was brought into Ukraine from Russia and returned back after hitting the plane. The prosecutors claimed they would investigate about 100 people over the incident, but didn't give any names yet. Malaysian Airlines Flight 17 was hit by a surface-to-air missile while en route from Amsterdam to Kuala Lumpur, and all 298 people aboard were killed. At the time of the disaster, Ukrainian government forces were engaged in heavy fighting with Russian-controlled separatists. Boeing 777 broke apart in mid-air, flinging wreckage over several kilometres of fields in militant-held territory. The incident played a significant part in the decision by the European Union and United States to impose sanctions on Russia over the Ukraine conflict. And east-west tensions escalated to levels not seen since the end of the Cold War. Why didn't the MH17 report authors directly blame Russia? This is a question many people asked after the document was released. Ukrainian political expert Bogdan Yeremenko explained it simply. Such an accusation goes against the rules of law. He explained, you cannot charge murder of almost 300 people to a whole country. First, you need to establish the names of exact people that operated the book unit and those who were giving the orders. The previous data say that over 100 people are involved. At the same time, the voiced facts take the wind out of Russia's sails. It would be impossible to pronounce more pseudo-versions of this catastrophe. Ukrainians often wait for political declarations towards Russia, but the investigation works in a legislative way. If previously the information about a book brought from Russia was a theory, now it is a fact, proven by law. Today such a huge amount of information was presented that I have no doubts this crime will not stay uninvestigated. U.S. State Department calls on international community to bring to responsibility those accountable for the MH17 flight crash. On September the 28th, Joint Investigation Team revealed a report on what caused the downing of the plane. The reports say that the liner was downed by a missile from a book complex brought from Russia. The Kremlin traditionally rejects the results of the two-year-long investigation. Russian Foreign Minister called the report biased and unprofessional and even accused Ukraine of falsifying evidence. Meanwhile, Germany acknowledges the report. NATO General Secretary Jens Stoltenberg called all the countries to collaborate with the investigation team so it could find those responsible for this crime. Australia already reported and elaborated the mechanism of bringing them to justice. Ukraine once again called the international community to unite and create an international court under the authority of UN. So the story is over. A Russian missile was issued from that unit. It is absolutely clear who is responsible for this tragedy and they must be punished. Ukraine commemorates 75 years since the massacre in Babin Yar. Almost a thousand foreign delegates arrived in Ukraine to pay their respects to the victims. The EU Council President Donald Tusk, who came to Kiev earlier, was also present at the event. The commemoration started at noon with a minute's silence. On September the 29th, 1941, all citizens of Kiev with Jewish nationality were told to come to Babin Yar at 8 o'clock in the morning with their belongings. 2,000 families formed long lines, flocking from all over the city. The Nazis took away all their valuables and clothes and mercilessly executed everyone from babies to grannies. Our mission is to put all efforts in finishing the creation of a memorial before the 80th commemoration ceremony. If we forget our past, we do not have a future. We need to remember everything. Here lies the husband of my granny's sister. This is not some abstract history. This is about my family. What can I say? They took their things and left. That's it. Put us into a train and left. I was three years old, but I remember it very clearly. People hid us. God save us then. In September 1941, the Nazis slaughtered 34,000 Jews just in the first two days, which was later recognised as one of the most notorious massacres of the Holocaust. Historians are still in debates over the exact numbers of victims of the Nazis. 
In general, more than 100,000 were killed in Babylon Yar during the occupation period. Russia plans to deploy up to 10,000 military personnel 100 kilometers from Ukraine's border. Russia's armed forces are completing the construction of a military base in the southern part of Rostov region. As the Russian Defense Ministry reports, it will be a motorized rifle division. First military exercises there are scheduled for December the 1st this year. The end of the construction coincides with the finale of Russian large-scale drills Caucasus 2016, which were held in annexed Crimea and near the border with Ukraine and Baltic states. Ukraine will meet auditors from the International Monetary Fund as soon as this autumn. This was what President of Ukraine Petro Poroshenko and Director of IMF Christine Lagarde agreed upon. They also discussed the recent economical development of our country. Petro Poroshenko talked about supporting Ukrainian reforms with the United States President Barack Obama. The presidents also exchanged views about implementing the Minsk agreements. They did not talk about giving Ukraine lethal weapons at this time. We did not raise the question of lethal weapons, as our agenda at the moment is the realization of agreements on providing 600 million US dollars. These assets were assigned to Ukraine by the US to support defense sector. The constitutional amendments, which were adopted in June this year, come into effect on September the 30th. From now on, judicial institutions will be established and closed down by Ukraine's parliament instead of the president. Highly specialized courts will be closed down. There will be only a Supreme Court left with new judges elected. Salaries for judges must be raised. However, their immunities will be reduced and applied solely during their professional work hours. The renewed High Council of Justice will authorize detainment, arrest and dismissal of judges. Breaking an oath as a reason for dismissal will be removed from the list. Yesterday, Ukraine's president used grounds to dismiss another three judges due to their breaking their oath. Natalia Volokitina, Taisia Matish and ill-famed Oksana Tsarevich for her biased attitude towards Otomaidan activists. Locals of the village of Malekhiv, neighboring Hrybovich refuse dump, haven't allowed anyone to bring any rubbish to the landfill. The village council, under the pressure of the local community, unanimously voted against an agreement with the Lviv city council concerning rubbish disposal. According to it, Malekhiv allows to expand the territory of Hrybovich landfill to bring more trash to the site. In return, Lviv promises to build a new school, ambulance station, centralized water supply, sewage system and road construction. Local residents denied the proposal and didn't allow the disposal of rubbish to the Hrybovich disposal dump. They also didn't allow the building of a recycling plant in the area of the village. They want to build us a school and make us live near a zone of an ecological disaster for the rest of our life. On September 27th, Ukraine's government let Lviv local authorities reconstruct Rybovich landfill involving investments. The European Bank for Reconstruction and Development may provide 30 million euros for the tragic landfill and 10 million euros for building a recycling plant for the next 25 years. The incident in Rybovich happened in early June when tons of aggregated trash collapsed covering three firemen and ecological activists. After that, the authorities have been constantly researching on how to solve the issue with local rubbish problem. The earthquake, which started in Romania, reached Ukraine as well. Almost all regions of Ukraine fell the wave. A magnitude 5.6 earthquake hit eastern Romania on Saturday, September 24th. Ukrainians quickly reacted to the quake in social networks. It woke some people up. Others saw their chandeliers shaking back and forth. Odessa, a city in southern Ukraine, experienced a magnitude 5 earthquake. Ilya, who lives on the ninth floor, says he thought his building was shaking a lot. It's the first earthquake in his life, so he later thought he felt ill and dizzy. I felt it really badly. I was in the kitchen when the fridge started shaking. Then all the plates and cups started as well. Normally, it's difficult to impress Odessa residents with quakes. They say they can have one, two quakes per year in this region. However, this year was really powerful, so much so people started to get scared. Some families even left homes till the quakes ended. In Chernivtsi, for example, Roxolana Rotor still cannot get over the shock she experienced. 
She and her husband were about to sleep when they fell to pushes. They left everything, took their kid and went out onto the street and returned to their flat only in the morning. Experts say the most prone to a magnitude 7 quake are Odessa, Chernivtsi and Zakarpatia regions of Ukraine. Ukrainian pilots have already returned from Malta to the city of Mykolaiv. Two fighter planes Su-27 and a transport aircraft Il-76 participated in the Malta International Air Show for the first time. And the Ukrainian pilots managed to impress the European audience. They showcased breathtaking stunts in the sky, the majority of which couldn't be repeated by others. Flown a thousand kilometers back home for three hours in planes, but we were fine. Oleksandr Oksanchenko was recognized as the best pilot in Czechia for incredible stunts of his fighter plane in early September. The pilot himself is proud of the airplane. It's maneuverable, easy to fly and looks gracious in the sky. There are not so many high-class pilots in Ukraine. Only the best went to the air show, where 35 countries were represented. The performance of Ukrainian pilots was sensational. They were even recognized by their uniform. However, they confessed that there were a lot of things to learn, for example, flying at sea level. They say it will be their task for the next year. Oktoberfest dressed in Ukrainian vishavankas. For the first time, Ukrainians took part in a large-scale parade of national costumes parade in Munich. Amongst traditional Bavarian dresses and leather pants, there were vishavankas from central Ukraine and the Ukrainian Carpathians. Ukrainian costumes were worn in the dances. The majority of participants formed part of the only Ukrainian folk dance group in Germany. Plachta, Ukrainian national female dress, Zhupan, Ukrainian national outer garment, and Postoli, types of shoes popular in Ukraine before the 20th century, are all ordered from garment makers living in Carpathians. Grandmothers from Carpathians sit at home and tailor them for us. The national costumes parade traditionally takes place right after Oktoberfest opening. Those who want to take part in the event have to apply a couple of years before. The rules are very strict here. Participants of the march have to walk exactly 104 steps per minute. The march down the Bavarian streets is full of people of any occupation. Spectators are highly excited. It's amazing, a very dynamical show. We were applauded so much, it was so great. We're all impressed and have no words to describe everything. We were warmly welcomed. I didn't expect it. From now on, dances will continue at Oktoberfest with German beer and sausages. From Israeli Tel Aviv to Ukrainian Uman, thousands of Hasidim are arriving in Ukraine for the Hebrew year 5777 celebration. On October the 2nd till the 4th, Israelis will celebrate the Jewish New Year. Major celebrations of Rosh Hashanah traditionally take place at the grave of Rabbi Nashman of Breslov, the founder of the Breslov Hasidic movement. A record number of pilgrims is expected for the 5,777th New Year. As Juniani Airport, where the first charter flight with 160 Hasidim aboard landed, Ukrainian taxi drivers are waiting for their Israeli customers. The standard price to Uman is round about 1,000 hryvnia, or 40 US dollars. For the newcomers, they make discounts. However, the majority of pilgrims have ordered buses beforehand, which will take them to the city. Local residents of Uman are also ready to earn some extra money during the celebrations, despite inconvenience caused by thousands of people coming to their city. One night stay in an apartment costs around 100 US dollars. Some people who came for the pilgrimage to Ukraine are surprised by the cold weather, especially compared to Israel. Each year breaks the record for pilgrims travelling to Uman. This year it is no exception. Up to 50,000 Hasidim are expected. Borispol International Airport is expecting 81 charter flights by the end of the week. Hasidim believe that if you meet the new year near a Zadik grave, the whole of the next year will be full of happiness. A 29-year-old woman from Zhytomyr in Ukraine gave birth to triplets even though she was expected to have twins. It became a real surprise not only for her and her husband, but also for doctors. All ultrasound scans showed she was pregnant with a twin. 
Jeanne Ivanova's birthing started too soon. The woman was admitted to the regional maternity clinic, delivering three boys into this world, each being two kilograms. Even though they were two months earlier, they are all healthy. And these three newly born boys have yet another brother waiting for them at home. Everyone was telling us we have twins. We expected two boys, but when we were told we will have another boy, we were extremely happy. And with that, we've come to the end of this week's Ukraine News Roundup for this edition of Nasholas Ukrainian Roots Radio. To hear more news from Ukraine today, check all of this week's editions of Nasholos at www.nasholos.com. And for their full roster of breaking stories, as well as interviews, press reviews, and in-depth analysis on Ukraine, follow Ukraine Today on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and their live blog, uatoday.tv. Вислухайте радіопередачу Наш Голос Радіо Українського Коріння на багатомовній радіостанції CHMB AM 1320 у місті Ванкувері. При мікрофоні Павліна. You're listening to Nash Holos Ukrainian Roots Radio on AM 1320 CHMB Vancouver. I'm your host, And that was a song by Ukrainian soldiers currently in the field. And that song was called Oi Uluzi Pi Donbassom, A Meadow in the Donbass. And coming up next is a group from Ukraine called Teen Sonsia, and that means Shadows of the Sun, and a song that's become quite popular of late. Uh, it's been around a while, um, but it um, certainly is apropos these days. It's called Yichale Kozakia. Riding Cossacks, and also an alternate title, Slaves Do Not Belong in Paradise. Teen Sonsia.
Це як пташина б'ється for a look at Ukraine's rich Jewish heritage, then and now, brought to you by the Ukrainian Jewish Encounter based in Toronto, Ontario. Welcome to Ukrainian Jewish Heritage on Nash Holos Ukrainian Roots Radio. I'm Peter Bager. It was always a very scenic area of forests and ravines, a very pleasant green zone on the edge of the city. Picturesque. It was once known as the Switzerland of Kiev, innocent and bucolic. All that changed over the course of a couple of days at the end of September 1941. Babin on the outskirts of Kiev, became a global symbol of the Holocaust and entered the language as shorthand for unfathomable cruelty and unprecedented loss of life. Babanyar was the site of the murder of nearly 34,000 Kievan Jews that dark September. The killings continued over the next couple of years during the German occupation of Kiev, with continued shootings of tens of thousands more Jews, as well as the Roma people, the patients of psychiatric hospitals, Soviet prisoners of war, Ukrainian national activists, Communist Party members, and ordinary residents of Kiev taken as hostages. We are still coming to grips with this legacy. Now a new book, entitled Babin Yar, History and Memory, is dedicated to the commemoration of the 75th anniversary of Babin Yar. This book, sponsored by the Ukrainian Jewish Encounter, is the result of the collaborative effort of scholars working with the editors Vladislav Hrinevich and Paul Robert Mogocci. The scholars are from various disciplines in Canada, France, Israel, the Netherlands, Ukraine, and the United States. All the contributors were united by a desire to inform the international community about the history of one of the 20th century's most terrible human tragedies. They also wanted to underline the importance of preserving its memory. At the center of the book, of course, is the history of a Nazi crime. But this history is a departure point for a deeper discussion. The book also covers the politics of memory and forgetting from the Stalinist period to the present day and the cultural memory of Babin Yar. The contributions to this volume are based on documentary sources and academic research. The essays provoke questions for further discussion, especially since the various authors may raise the same questions but do not always arrive at the same answers. As the editors in the introduction to the book point out, this most recent anniversary of the Babinier tragedy allows us to understand that the past is not some construct set in stone, forever fixed in place. It is instead a dynamic phenomenon open to new discoveries. Every era and every generation contributes its own vision and interpretation of the Babinier tragedy. These are expressed in a variety of dimensions. Finally, it is important to point out there is a generational aspect to the reinterpretation of this tragedy, as every generation does this in its own way. The book also poses questions, especially to those who were born in an independent Ukraine. What is Babin Yar in our memory? And how does this memory fit into our understanding of the past, and into the philosophical and ideological picture of the present and the future? As the editors remind us, to know and remember the Babin Yar tragedy means not allowing such a crime to be repeated, 
And in the Ukrainian experience, Babanyar is also a symbolic farewell to empire and its mythological legacy, a return to the work of sadness and the formation of a culture of mourning. As Norman Neymark of Stanford University points out in his preface to the book, Babanyar is in many ways still unfinished business. There is no consensus on how to memorialize the Kievan Jews killed there. There is also considerable confusion about how to deal with the multiple interests of victim groups, in addition to the Jews, who lost substantial numbers of their people at Babanyar. But as Neymark writes, one thing is certain. Babanyar will be remembered in Ukraine. In the wake of Ukrainian independence in 1991, the Orange Revolution of 2004, and the Euromaidan demonstrations of the winter of 2013-2014, Ukrainians and Jews have linked arms to honor those who perished at the hands of the Nazis during the war. Babanyar unites their common grief and inspires common hopes for amity, justice, and truth. This has been Ukrainian Jewish Heritage on Nash Holos Ukrainian Roots Radio. From San Francisco, I'm Peter Baker. Until next time, Shalom. Ukrainian Jewish Heritage is brought to you by the Ukrainian Jewish Encounter based in Toronto, Ontario. To find out more about their work, visit their website and follow them on Facebook and Twitter. Transcripts and audio files of this and earlier broadcasts of Ukrainian Jewish Heritage are available at their website, ukrainianjewishencounter.org, as well as at the Nasholos website, www.nasholos.com. United States of America. They are called Malve, and that is the Ukrainian name for a flower, the hollyhock to be exact. And that is another song that harkens back to the early days of Nash Holos back in the 1990s in Vancouver. Uh, that was a song we played 
often because it was just such fun. It sounds kind of like a flapper tune, <laughs> and um, but it is uh, definitely a Ukrainian folk song done in that very peppy style. And again, that was Malve from the United States and a song called Serce Smietsia, A Smiling Heart. And coming up next is another throwback to that era. This is a group called Fata Morgana, and they are also an American group. They're originally from Ukraine, uh, but they emigrated all back in the um, late 20th century, and they put out a great number of songs. The lead man happens to be named Alexei Kerekesha, and uh, here he is with his group Fata Morgana, and uh, they're contemporary rendition of a traditional Ukrainian folk song, Oy Upoli Nevka, Out in the Cornfield. What's coming up this week in Vancouver's Ukrainian community? This Friday, enjoy a pierogi supper at the Holy Trinity Ukrainian Orthodox Auditorium, 154 East 10th Avenue in Vancouver, from 5 till 8 p.m. For details, call Holy Trinity Ukrainian Orthodox Parish at 604-274-8030 or visit uocvancouver.com. If you're organizing a Ukrainian cultural event, we'll be happy to announce it here free of charge. As well, please send in your suggestions, special requests, and dedications. Your comments are always welcome. Email producer at noshholos.com or fill out the form on the events page at the Noshholos website. You can also call us at 604-227-0942 or record and leave your own audio announcement at our website, noshholos.com. 
On Wednesdays, catch Nash Holos Ukrainian Roots Radio broadcasting live from Nanaimo to north and central Vancouver Island, the Gulf Islands, the Sunshine Coast, northwest Washington State, and in the greater Vancouver listening area. Wednesdays from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Pacific Time on CHLY Radio Malaspina, 101.7 FM on the radio dial and streaming online at chly.ca. Channel 8 Omni airs two Ukrainian-language TV shows in the Vancouver viewing area, Kontakt TV Sundays at 7 a.m., with repeats Tuesdays at 9 a.m. and Thursdays at 7 a.m., and Forum TV Sundays at 8 a.m., with repeats on Tuesdays at 10 a.m. and Thursdays at 12 noon. And at 6 p.m. on Saturday evenings, flip your radio dial right back here to AM 1320 CHMB Vancouver or catch the live stream at am1320.com. And join me for another hour of fun on Nasholos Ukrainian Roots Radio. In between broadcasts, make sure to follow Nasholos and me on Facebook and Twitter. And for audio archives, transcripts, podcast feeds and more, visit our website at www.nasholos.com. Interlake area of Manitoba. That was the Interlake Polka Kings and the Seven Step Waltz, also known as the Seven Step Polka. And this is a tune that I always kind of took for granted was, you know, our Ukrainian tune because I heard it at every single wedding I ever went to growing up, every single Zabava. I mean, this is kind of one of those must have, and it's on so many Ukrainian polka bands uh, albums. But doing a little bit of research, I've discovered that we can't really lay claim to this delightful tune. Um, There are a lot of people who also claim it as their own. Um, It's also considered like an Austrian uh, folk tune. So, of course, going back a hundred and some years ago, that would have covered any number of Slavic groups as well. The Scandinavians claim it, uh, Danes. Um, the Swiss claim it, uh, Shetlands, uh, Scots 
claimant um, as well, the Métis claimant here in Canada. And I even saw a video where it was used um, by a teacher who looked to be of Oriental descent and <laughs> teaching his kids how to um, how to count to seven. So it is uh, quite a universal tune. But still, deep down in my heart, it's a Ukrainian song. For the very best in Ukrainian programming, tune into Nasholus Ukrainian Roots Radio, our flagship show here in Vancouver, Saturdays from 6 to 7 p.m. on AM 1320 CHMB and streaming at am1320.com. Live in Nanaimo's live in Nanaimo Wednesdays from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. on 101.7 FM and streaming at chly.ca. And the international edition of Nasholus airs in over 20 countries on AM, FM, shortwave, and satellite radio on the PCJ Radio Network. You can get more information at our website, www.nashholos.com. www.nashholos.com. Do keep in touch with us there between broadcasts. Nezhelme vshiskinčila naše programu vžičastu domovi skazate za pobačenja, ali pred tem ja hoću zalešati vas takime slovami mudroste. Ne vsi pomelke možna popravite. And our proverb of the week translates as not all mistakes can be corrected. Well, that about takes us to the end of our program here today. So wrapping things up, we have the By Request Band from Steinbach, Manitoba, and Peter Special. I'm Pavlina on behalf of all of us here at Nash Holos and AM 1320. Thanks for listening and Dobranich. <laughs> Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now.